0: hi welcome to sweetman podcast i'm your host i'm simon sweetman and uh this one I don't know. Maybe maybe you can consider this bonus content. You might want to. You might even want to uh, not listen to this one because this is all about me. Uh, he says about a podcast that's named after his uh, surname. Uh, this is me being interviewed by a woman called Rachel Duray. She interviewed me in the context of the upcoming Manawatu Writers Festival uh, that's taking place this weekend, uh, mostly in Fielding, the Fielding Public Library. I'm doing a talk on Sunday morning um, about basically about blogging, about why I do it, how I've done it, uh, how insane I am to keep doing it and how you might want to uh, build a schedule to, to, to write online, how you can um, pump out content and think of things to, to do and say. So, Rachel interviewed me for uh, Manawatu Public Radio, or MPR, as they are called. And um, this ran this interview already, and with their permission, I'm rerunning it. So, that's the episode this week. You're just going to hear me being interviewed uh, about blogging, about writing, of course, I talk about music, and I do. Uh, give a little plug to my upcoming poetry book which I've mentioned a few times in the in the recent episodes of course because uh, that's part of my world at the moment so uh, enjoy this and if you don't, I don't mind um, I'll be back next week with an interview where I'm talking to someone uh, but for this week, this is me being interviewed by Rachel Dore for the Manawatu Writers Festival
1: This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR. Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Irirangi Temotu, MPR.
2: Good afternoon, you're listening to Rachel Dore, bringing you words from the bubble. Te Reo Irirangi o Natangita o Manawatu on MPR. And today, I'm talking with someone in Wellington, Simon Sweetman. Simon, welcome. It's really hard, too hard to introduce you properly. Okay, <laughs> not enough,
0: not enough um, ways of covering up the bad things I've done, is that it? Uh,
2: well, you've done so much. Um, yeah. A, um, a music journalist and reviewer. Yeah, I, I usually just
0: call myself a writer and then that's turned into being a music writer and I'm a I'm mostly okay with that, although the job hardly exists anymore. Um, So that's why I've always just said writer. And then that covers the fact that I do a bit of poetry and some stories and some creative things as well. So, yeah, I'm happy happy with whatever anyone wants to call me.
2: Fair enough. Um, And I met you down at the Fringe. Um, Yeah. uh, And we've been discussing poetry and stuff. But you are going to be one of the speakers at next month's Manawatu Writers Festival.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And actually, um, yeah, that is a title that uh, I I I should still wear the hat of as well, which is essentially a blogger, which some people think is uh, different and sometimes in a negative way from being any sort of writer or journalist. But it's actually just another version of both writing and journalism, I think. Well, certainly that's how I've, approached
2: it well certainly that's how what you contribute is because some people seem to think that blogging is about venting and ranting off the top of your head any old time on a roughly regular basis until you run out of ideas and yeah 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 and you get that people who go off Shall we say half cocked, or who mm. go off with the very best of intentions? But what do you do? Um, so I, I think you're the blogmeister. That's what you are. <laughs> you're the blogmeister. <laughs> um, people may not be aware of your website off the tracks. Yep. Yep. Um, where you introduce people. Well, you educate people, actually. It's an educative kind of site. You talk about music, you talk about poetry, you talk about what's going on in the world, not just in the arts, but politically. Um, your Facebook posts are thick and varied and rich. Uh, you I can't believe that it's not a full-time job for you, being a master.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it never was, and I don't, I don't know if it ever will be. Um, I used to always work... Um, in retail and in offices, and I've worked in childcare, um, and I was a stay-at-home dad for a long time. Um, I've always worked some sort of thing around it, Um, and I've been a freelance journalist. I have my background is, you know, I did for a long time file copy for newspapers and magazines, and, and I still talk on the radio, and I host my own podcasts. So, yeah, it's just all these various things Kind of come together, and it's it's all based around things I'm interested in, I guess.
2: Your interests vary though, and it's not just because it's interest and interest, isn't there? There are people who are yeah. interested in something and have a reaction or an opinion, but you actually go into depth. You've got a wealth of knowledge on so many different levels.
0: <laughs> um, it's 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 actually better explained probably as a misspent youth, just um wasting my time before there was an internet wasting my time reading magazines books watching any single movie I could find basically the good and the bad and uh, listening to devouring music I was interested in sport and all sorts of other things too I was doing that but but those were the things that really uh, kind of grabbed me and I and I always wanted to be a writer I always wanted to be a journalist and I was interested in poetry from a fairly young age and so all of those things are are activities and uh, versions of an occupation that I've followed and, and attempted and I guess when I got into journalism I always sort of thought I'd like to be a record reviewer, I always thought that it would be fun to have a component of the work where I got to comment on albums and gigs because I just grew up reading, you know, famous music journalists covering fantastic albums and gigs from the 1970s. I loved reading all that stuff. I would buy the old issues of Rolling Stone that you might find in a um, in, a, in a chuck-out bin or a church gala or something. I would buy those old newspaper versions of music journalism from 20 and 30 years before my time and take them home and read them. And I was, I was kind of studying them. Yeah, I was kind of learning how to do it by just absorbing all that stuff. So no one teaches you how to write a record review. I went to journalism school and they spend half of one day on reviewing. They really don't teach it because you can't teach it. You can only absorb and develop a voice and learn how to react to things. And that's really what I've done.
2: Well, I think um, in your case, there's uh, a very astute ability to analyse so it isn't just a reaction off the surface of things. You're actually breaking it down um, in a way uh, that I find very inspiring because it's changed the way I listen to things. I'm not a music geek. I love music, but I think... um, People like yourself actually help me listen more deeply, I think.
0: Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's absolutely a component of what I've done is hoping that people are reading and listening and, and interested. But the, the thing that I really started to get interested in and really get enjoyment from was when blogging came about and I got involved with blogging, Uh, that meant that the conversation was a little bit more open. Suddenly you weren't just publishing what you thought of something and putting it there for people to read and accept. It became more of a living document. And so you would come up with a topic, an idea, and a reaction to something, and it wouldn't be the end of the conversation. It would actually be the start of the conversation, which is very different from newspaper and magazine writing, where the whole conversation happens in the piece the argument is there and that's the end of it and I still like that kind of writing and do it when it when there's the chance but um, blogging just opened up the idea that it made you realize that also I think that you find your people there are people in this world that know far more about music than me and some of them were reading my stuff and 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 telling me that they were and coming back with comments why didn't you why didn't you mention this and no one did it in a to begin with anyway no one did it in a one upmanship way they did it in a I'm a geek too I love this stuff too and have you thought about writing about this and if you love this so much and you're telling us you love this you must have heard this, and if you haven't, you need to go and hear it. And I found that invigorating.
2: Oh, great. So in your session at the festival, um, it's about blogging, how to be a successful mm. blogger. And mm. we don't want to shoot our bolt, to, <laughs> we, can you give us a taste, uh, sort of a, a quick breakdown of, of what you're going to be Um, presenting at the festival
0: yeah well uh, well, I'm I'm obviously still working on it um, uh, in terms of shaping it completely but I want to share my experience of how I've gone about um, uh, building both a blog and building I guess an audience and then the different facets that that comprise that the integration of social media the fact that it's not separate. It's all one thing, actually, and you have to be across platforms and allow people to discover you on the platform that suits them best. And also, I think a big uh, – one thing that I can talk about with some um, experience and possibly some authority is the number one thing you need to be able to do uh, beyond being able to write and uh, is you need to turn up. You need to turn up. You need to have some regularity and you need to create a schedule for uh, – Yourself and your audience um, that is going to that is going to basically work for you both, and you need to, I guess, um, have drivers that aren't just um, about the numbers, either either website traffic or or fiscal motivations. You need to have something driving you to want to complete this work, um, and I, I can speak about that stuff, and so that's what I'm going to be focusing on.
2: It's a discipline, isn't it? Mm. Um, because there's two aspects to it. There's the delivery and being able to do that, set yourself a deadline and do it. But there's also um, keeping up your own personal resource base in order to feed the monster.
0: Yeah, very much so. I, I remember writing, a, um, I can't remember which website asked me to do it, but a separate website asked me to do, when I was writing for Stuff, for about nine years, I wrote a daily music blog. And somewhere in the middle of that, uh, some competing website asked me to write a, a guest blog post for them about how I how I used social media and how I integrated it into blogging because they had noticed that that was what was happening. And what I sort of learned about myself when I was asked to do that, because often you just do things and it becomes a pattern, and then you when you're asked to analyze it, you work out that maybe there was some crazy strategy behind it all along. What I realized I was doing was uh, I was showing people the long division. I was showing people the the how the sausage got made. And I um, so I'd set up this Twitter account, and I didn't really know what, what I was going to do on Twitter because I was already using Facebook. So what was I going to do on Twitter? So my Twitter account, and I have never done this and I wouldn't recommend anyone do this, but if you go all the way back to about 2010, you can basically see every single album I have listened to in that time, every film I've watched and all the books I'm reading. So these sound like really prosaic and interesting tweets and they really probably are. But what I noticed happened after a while was people, people are smart and so people went very quickly from asking me an annoyed question, why have you just written the name of Dave Dobbin and his album, to they started sharing their memories. They realised I was listening to that album and I must have liked it or been intrigued by it. So they started sharing their memories about a particular artist or when they first heard something and they possibly didn't even know at the time that they were really helping me do my research and in a way I was helping them either do theirs or at least um, I was helping them along with their memories. And we built this sort of community together of people that were just fascinated by pop culture. And um, so, yeah, I wrote this blog post about that kind of, uh, that idea of doing the long division and showing it. And I feel like that's been a really, and and I guess with my Facebook pages, it's a similar thing. I share articles, not just, obviously you share your own work, but I realised very early on that if you just, have a Facebook page and a Twitter account where you're pumping out your own blog, um, people are going to lose interest in that and it's a little bit narcissistic. So it's really, really nice to share work other people have done. And there's lots of different angles in the world and you can sometimes share a piece and offer some criticism on it. You can sometimes say you would have done it differently, but it's just nice to share a range of uh, voices in this world and to share a range of opinions. And there are topics I've written for y- forever about many things and I hope to continue to do that but I can't cover everything so there are topics that people have written about far better than me there are also topics that I didn't know about or albums I didn't know about that I've learned a lot and I want to share those as well so I started to yeah build this kind of social media idea that I would share my inner workings my uh and and really I guess the downside to that is I built a little bit of a rod for my back and that I feel like anything I experience culturally, I need to share. And, um, and I wouldn't really recommend anyone sort of uh, forensically unpack that or psychologically unpack that. But, but, uh, but, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's the person I've built myself into is that I want to share these things with people and see what they think too. So a simple thing now on Facebook, I will, Anytime I watch a movie, I will just put up that I'm watching it, and that's all I will say. I won't offer any commentary on it. I'll share a link to the title, and I'll say watching this. Now, it might be a film that I have watched several times, and it, or it might be an advanced copy of a movie that's yet to be released in a cinema or online, and I've been sent an re- actual review copy of it. And it's really interesting to see people sharing their memories and their insights into it. I, lo- I, just, I just really enjoy that.
2: It also sounds as if you are likely to build up quite a bank of shared experiences, incoming, outgoing, mingling it together. Is there a novel or a autobiography in there somewhere? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've got the. Uh, frankly, I don't think I've got the talent to write a novel. I don't think I have the discipline to concentrate on that one topic for long enough either. Um, at best, I mean, what what I've also learned over the years too. I think like it's possibly important to talk about for me to talk about the the poetry angle because my my poems are really just stories, and I sometimes think that I call them poems to to really just annoy people who have a particular idea what a poem is. I'm not trying to be an anti-poet. I'm not trying to annoy people. But I get the feeling some people would argue that's not a poem. And, again, that's why I sort of come back to the idea that I'm just a writer. I'm just someone who wants to write. And I I find it really interesting to experiment with with forms. And I've started doing – I realised that, actually, I I really had a reaction to the – what was that movie that came out um, recently, A Star Is Born, the remake of that? And I really didn't like the film and I really just didn't want to write a film review saying that I didn't like it. So I wrote a poem and I called the poem Film Review of A Star Is Born and it is basically my thoughts... That I would have structured into a film review, but instead I broke it up in lines and I turned it into a poem. And I've I've read that out at an open mic with with success. People enjoyed it, but it is essentially I could have just I could have just shaped that into paragraphs and 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 committed it to form as a film review. Um, just yesterday I found. Um, some introduction notes I did for a lit session where there was a Bob Dylan panel. And I'd been asked to introduce these speakers and introduce the topic. And obviously, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. That's why they got me to do it. And I've written a lot about him. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder if I can salvage that and turn that into a blog post. And as I looked at it, I realized there wasn't a whole lot there because it relied on the information about the other speakers. So I I deleted all of that. And then I just turned it into a poem about... about some of my Bob Dylan appreciation, how I first heard him. And and I ended up saying in the poem, this is not the first poem I've written about Bob Dylan. I've written six or seven, and I hope to write many more because he's a guy who's constantly fascinating to me. I've also written concert reviews of Bob Dylan, album reviews, blog posts. I mean, I called my blog on stuff, blog on the tracks. It was a total rip off and homage to his album, Blood on the Tracks, of course. And I took the idea that if you're leaving you know, you're leaving blood on the tracks. I was essentially doing that with my blog. I was putting my life on the line in a way. I was sharing a lot of information with time about my life and the person that I was. And in the in the, in the time of blogging, you know, I had a child and, and one day someone wrote, uh, good luck writing a blog every day with a kid keeping you up at night. And that became like an absolute uh, energy source to me. I was like, I'm going to show that guy. I'm, ne- I'm, never, I'm I'm never gonna miss I'm never gonna miss a deadline that I've imposed for myself because I've got a child and I never did I continued to put a put a post out every day um for, for, for stuff until they canceled the blogs um yeah so that's it's just it's just the compulsion to write and to experiment with different forms within it but but your your question was is there a novel or a memoir or something no not 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 anytime soon and I'm not good enough oh oh much modesty. <laughs> well, there is a hey, there is a book of poems coming out, of course, which you know, and that's coming out in October. And and I would say that apart from a, 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 an embarrassingly pushy plug from me about it, I would say that that that's actually a form of memoir too. My book of poems it's it's really true life stories and short stories about about me and about me as a writer and me as a blogger and about the things we're talking about. I last night I sat down to make a playlist of all of the songs and music references that are in the book and there's 45 songs mentioned pretty much directly in this book of poems and so I'm making a playlist up so people can listen to that as a soundtrack to it if they want to
2: Oh wow, wow I was going to give you time to give yourself a plug, definitely <laughs> Good, uh, well when you, when you do I can do another one <laughs> um, I must do a review but dare I dare I review you, I don't know Yeah Go for it. I'm looking forward.
0: I don't think it will happen very much now because we don't have as many album, movie and book reviews as we used to, but I'm very open to the idea that people will um, might review the book, and I'm certainly very open to the idea that people will be confused by it or not like it. But um, I possibly will be embarrassed by the idea that anyone might like it, actually.
2: Oh, oh okay. Now, at NPR, yeah. we'll go for a break. So we'll do that now and come back. And I'll try, in the meantime, I'll think up another curly question for you. Uh, say, oh, yeah, good. go. Taking a break with Simon Sweetman at the other end. See you soon.
1: If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. You're back with Rachel DeRay.
2: Did I say round the edge? No, I meant words from the bubble, although I may put it on words uh, from round the edge as well, actually, because there's no harm with doubling up a really good interview like this with Simon Sweetman down in Wellington. Now, Simon's going to be, if you hadn't listened to the first part, Simon's going to be at Manor Two Writers Festival on the Sunday, I believe, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, um, yep, talking about... Uh, how to be a successful blogger. Now, blogging, would you say blogging is a, a good blogger is a bit of an essayist? Would you say I think it?
0: that's a really, yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. And I think that's what blogs have really finally found their form in and, and, and morphed into. And if you go to sites like Medium where people can basically publish Long-form essays that wouldn't make it into a newspaper anymore, but might have thirty years ago. That's essentially where blogs are going uh, and have and have been at for a while. You know, to go back to what you said at the start about, or and I sort of referenced the idea that blogging was seen as a weaker form of journalism. I think one of the things we've got to remember is is there is a competitive aspect, and often when you when you hear blogs being mentioned and you hear them being mentioned in a derogatory fashion it's usually tv radio broadcasters or or print journalists that are discussing the blog as a weaker form and many of those people actually have gone on to have their own blogs as part of their work of course but yeah it's a, it's it's this funny thing i i still think of i still think of blogging as mm-hmm. a mixture of journalism and creative writing it's a real mixture of essayism and some some blogs are very journalistic in their approach. Mine is not, although now with my site off the tracks.co.nz, I am publishing regularly um, reviews. So that's the journalistic component and occasionally essays. But I'm also publishing short little micro blogs. You've got to keep thinking of ways to entertain an audience and entertain yourself. So a couple of years ago, I started doing a thing called Stubs, where I collect all the ticket stubs from shows I've been to I take a photo of the ticket stub and I kind of do like a a really short capsule review not so much of the event but just just my memory of it and what happened like maybe I've already reviewed the event so I can just paste a link to that review and it's sort of a way of reminding people again of of all the work you've done all the things you've gone to all the experiences so when I decide to write a poem about Bob Dylan it's because I've been and seen him five times and I've been listening to him since I was twelve or whatever. And so it's a way of sharing, yeah, you know, resharing and repurposing that work.
2: And finding ways to keep your audience engaged is the big
0: thing. Yeah, totally. Just and some things don't fly and some things do. And some things find their find their groove for a while and then sometimes I just get really – I've been really stubborn with a couple of things and decided to just follow them through. The initial thing that I started on off the tracks was a thing called the Vinyl Countdown, which I thought was a really fun idea. I was going to start it at 2,000. It seemed like the right number to start at. And I was going to count backwards through my record collection. And the idea was, you know, you would never get a magazine or a newspaper publishing old record reviews of really cool things, unless they happen to be reissued as a as a product with new tracks. Oh, but why, why not talk about an album that came out in 1986 or an album that came out in 1967? In some cases, I might have only just heard it for the first time. In other cases, it might be an album I've known my entire life. And so I started just randomly going through my record shelves, picking an album, putting it on and having a listen to it. Sometimes I just look at the record cover and I would have a memory of when I was nine years old and I first heard it. Maybe it belonged to my parents and I've now got their copy of it. Um, And so that that sort of started in earnest as the Vinyl Countdown. Every now and then I'd write a new post. Well, for a while that became a real sort of albatross. I got to about 600, uh, probably got to about 1,200 posts and thought, This is over many years, and I thought, God, I really have to see this through. And uh, there were some dark years there where every couple of days I'd do a vinyl countdown post, and maybe I didn't want to, but I'm now down in, in, in only double figures. I'm now down to, I think my most recent one, as I'm talking to you, was the vinyl countdown number 75, and remember, this started at 2,000, so I've counted backwards So I have 74 more posts to do and then I can put the Vinyl Countdown to bed. Now, does anyone care about this apart from me? Probably not. Maybe there's one person in the world that's read every single Vinyl Countdown post and I would be letting that person down if I just let it go. Um, But when I complete it and I have 2,000 posts about my weird random record collection, it lives on as a document and someone might discover the whole thing with time and go, look at this absolute nutcase that spent years detailing his record collection. And I think that's quite cool. Like, I'm not hurting anybody. Um, It hasn't been as all-consuming as I've just made that sound. They're very easy to put these posts together. And uh, it's just another part of the business card of, oh, this is some of the mad, strange stuff that I do. This is some of the stuff that occupies my mind.
2: So you wouldn't say you're obsessed then, this is. Just- I, think,
0: I think I'm fighting obsession. Actually, I think I'm. I think it came dangerously close to that. Yeah, I- I'm probably now. I'm probably now more obsessed with writing than I am with music. Mm. And a person told me years ago, when I first started writing about music, a person said to me, "To be a very good music writer, I think you need to love music more than you love writing." And I thought that was a really interesting thing. And I've thought about that a lot over the years because I've swayed back and forth on that. At first, I got his intention to mean a bit like, a, you know, in writing classes, you tell people murder your darlings, you know, like yeah. all the things you think are clever in your writing, get rid of those and cut to the essence. Uh, so I, I understood it to mean that. And I thought that's a very fair point. You've got to love music and the writing is secondary, and I think that's how I started. I was such a music fan, and I wanted to write. I knew I could write a little bit, and I was interested in it, Um, and that's how I approached it. But with time, it really switched, and I think you have to love writing more than you love music because why would you turn up day in, day out when a lot of the stuff that you're asked to cover is so thoroughly mediocre, and you have to still try and make it interesting for yourself and for an audience? So then it became ah. actually i love writing more than i love music and just recently looking at things like finishing off this vinyl countdown series i'm now excited by the finite possibilities there are 74 more posts to go and i have more records than that to cover so i need to start making some decisions what things have i forgotten to write about and hmm. i'm i'm enthused by my record collection again this this whole giant Six or eight year journey of occasionally documenting my own private record collection or my own personal record collection and making it public has made me fall in love with all these strange records I'd forgotten about.
2: Wow. Wow. I'm having a moment of nostalgia thinking <laughs> all the World Record Club collection that I lost. That's a terrible thing. Right. Yeah. All- when you get divorced, someone usually ends up divorced from their record collection. Yes, yes.
0: Well, and it's funny. I'm. I feel like a little bit of a vulture because my record collection is is part brand new and part secondhand, like most record collectors. I I still go out and buy brand new albums, but I also have collected up all manner of secondhand. And so, one of the things that the vinyl countdown has allowed me to do is is not just write about the music, write about it, the music as artifact. And I find it really interesting, the inscriptions that are on records, the the things that I've, been, that I've been given or that I've gone and bought from a store. And you feel like you're eavesdropping on private conversations or you're looking through someone else's photo album. I have this record, I have the, the first Dire Straits album, which is just called Dire Straits, and it's a good record. It's a good album, I've always liked it, but on the cover... I, I should remember this, but I can't remember the names, but it basically says something like on the cover, it's written in pen to Hamish from Tom or something like that. And a friend of mine who was around here said, when I got it, he said, that is a perfect record for a man to have given another man in 1978, which is when it came out. And I just thought that's a, that's a wonderful little observation and I'm going to write about that. So that's what that post is about on the Vinyl Countdown. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't just another post saying Mark Knopfler's a great guitarist and listen to the solo and Sultan's of Swing. We all know that. It's talking about how I ended up with this record and how this friend of mine made this curious, funny, witty little co- comment that I thought was quite a deft observation. And to me, that's that's the reason I still own that on record when I could just play it on YouTube or Spotify.
2: Yeah, that's the story of it. Yeah. yeah. You think though that the, the, the mind has uh, a, mu- a music department, can I say, a category in the brain? And then, but to articulate something about that music in writing requires a different section, a different area, um, to be able to put that into words. So people can say, why write about it when you just listen to it? Something happens in the articulation of it, and then people yep. listening or listening to your words can do it in reverse and go back and revisit the music. Do you think that is what your writing contributes
0: when it's when it's doing its job very well, then yes, I would hope so, but um yes, absolutely, but um, I also think there's a real and I guess one of the things that i've I've really worked towards is in my journalism and in my blogging and in in my podcasts and, and radio features is just an emotional honesty around why I'm connected to this stuff. So sometimes the very best thing you can say about an album is I'll shut up talking now and I'll just urge you to listen to this. And what blogging has enabled people to do is share a link to a track share a link to other reviews that are gushing. Like if you suddenly run out of words, that's I I sort of think the best thing that can happen when you're writing about music is you run out of words. Oh, right. Because if you say too much, if you say too much, you've spoiled it. If you say too much, you're thinking too much. And if you say too much, people get bored with the idea of uh, of actually checking out the record. So sometimes a simple link to a soundbite from it and a rave review from someone else who carries more credibility in that area can actually be the honest and correct approach to do. And, and blogging allowed that to happen. Newspaper reviews, you couldn't do that. You had to fill your copy and hand it in, and that was that. And all of these things are interesting. They require different sort of processes and different sets of skills that you pick up along the way but at the end of the day you are trying to promote a love of something and an interest in something and sometimes that can be um, explored through the fact that you're very unhappy with a particular Mm. album or a particular style or product and you can these get construed as purely negative reviews and people think why did you bother but Mm. I'm in this I'm kind of in this to understand exactly why I am bothering. I'm in this to understand who I am and how, how and why this stuff has shaped me. And I don't think it's emotionally honest to only highlight the good things and to only rave about good things. I think you need to explain to people some of the disappointments in your, in your life as any conversation will have an ebb and even a flow to it.
2: See, you know, you've just perfectly brought up something I was going to ask you. I heard somewhere, and I've read a couple of your older reviews that that were evidence that you can, you are, you, Simon Sweetman, are <laughs> being quite cutting when mm-hmm. you like something, and particularly if it's a band touring or, or something like that, where they no longer measure up to what they were before, where they've somehow... Yep disappointed and you don't stint. So I'm interested in that and you've kind of, so you've kind of answered my uh
0: mm. Well I've told you I've told you what my motivation is around it. Yeah, what my motivation is. Yeah. Truth telling, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I just I just look um there are reviewers that I really respect that I grew up reading, but one thing that let me down about what they did is they never wrote negatively. Mm. And and that and that upset me, and um and I mean I I can name him because I've said this to him, but like Nick Bollinger is a reviewer who I think is fantastic, and he you know people will hear him on radio New Zealand, and I grew up like a lot of people reading him in the Listener as well, and I've chatted to him and I've been at events with him where we've discussed how we have very different styles, um and and I I'm still in awe of his abilities as a broadcaster and reviewer. But he doesn't speak about things that upset him. And I've I don't understand that. I, I get I get one idea of that is, oh, there's so much stuff in the world. Let's let's tell people about the good stuff they can check out. But if this is all subjective, which is always what's laid you know, that's the that's the end thing that is always thrown on a reviewer, that's just your opinion anyway. This is all subjective, which is exactly right then why not challenge people and, and throw up the idea that some stuff they think is great, you don't and here's why or or perhaps more interestingly, a person you really love just let you down. I mean, I've name-checked Bob Dylan. Do I like all of Bob Dylan's albums? No. Do I own them all? Of course, because I want to understand how he made some beautiful music that's so meaningful and been so uh, covered and passed down over the generations and how he made some absolute steaming turds, how he made some absolute clunkers. I want to know that. And I think you have an obligation if you're putting yourself out there as any kind of authority, which at the end of the day, if we're blogging, if we're speaking, you know, you're interviewing me now, if we're having a rant, as I'm doing, about something, then why not share the bad stuff as well as the good? And why not stand up and be counted with what you think? And yeah, of course it's just my opinion. And I've had a lot of people over the years say, you know, you were really harsh about that album. I bought it and I loved it. And my answer to that is great good. I'm really happy for you, you know, with no sarcasm. That's excellent. That's really good news. In a way, I still did my job because I made you aware of some music and I told you what I got from it, which might've been not very much, but it was enough to make you want to go and have your own experience with it. And that's a fantastic result. It would be a lie if I purposely said something I thought something was quite good and I couldn't really bring myself to really usher in the quite quite the right words and you could tell that I didn't really mean it. And then you go and listen to it and go, what's he raving about this for? It's not very good. That's not helpful. That's not good to anyone. So, yeah, it is really just about that that, um, that idea that I'm actually trying to be very consistent with who I am as a listener. Um, and, and things change. You know, I, Lana Del Rey is a person of interest to me at the moment. I really didn't like her first three or four albums. Her brand new, well, her most recent album I absolutely love. I've never liked her stuff before, but her album from last year I love. And then, and this will be of interest to you, Rachel, she's just put out an audio book of her reading poems and the actual poetry book is going to come out in a couple of months. But – as a, as a preview, she's released a recording of her performing all of the works so you get to hear them in her voice first before you get to read them. So she's transitioning to, well, she's probably always been, but she's in the, in the public consciousness, she's transitioning from being a songwriter and a musician to being a poet, which I'm always interested in because I have this deep interest in, in words and poetry. So suddenly I'm really invested in what she's doing. Uh, was I wrong to not like that other stuff? I, do, I don't think so. Um, and, I, and I don't know if I'll go back and revisit it. Maybe I'll go back and listen to it one day and go, oh, I actually kind of like this now. And that's also okay. There are no, you know, there are no firm answers here. There are no right and wrong answers, I don't think. if uh, One of the best things you can do as a reviewer is embrace the idea that everything's subjective, including your own opinion. is subject to change. It could change.
2: And also to give oneself permission to be that boy at the edge of the crowd who says, boy, the emperor's got no clothes on."
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's that's very true, and I think um, absolutely having a um, having that perfect platform at the time of a daily blog on stuff when it was uh, the most read website in the country and music blogs were a big thing and I was there every day, five days a week for eight or nine years, Um, that became a great opportunity to do exactly that. And I was always championing things. I was always raving about really obvious stuff and really obscure stuff. And yet I was also having a rant about things that I thought just didn't measure up. Now there have been whole books written about the human psychology that we are more drawn to negative thought. So anyone saying Oh, you're just always negative. They only knew that because that's what they were reading. So they were complicit in that arrangement. They were actually drawn to that stuff. Um, like, you know, like like flies to honey or whatever. They were they were pulled into that. And um and you know, if they chose to not read the positive stuff, I couldn't do anything about that. I could just write more positive stuff, but my main goal was was just to write what I believed. It didn't I never I never thought, oh, I've written two negative blogs in a row. I better write a positive one. I never thought, oh, God, all I've done this week is rave about things. I better find something and just twist the knife. It was never that uh, calculated. It was always, how do I feel today? What do I want to talk about today? And it might be, oh, this brand-new track everyone's raving about or this brand-new album everyone's raving about, I don't get the buzz, so that's what I'm going to do. Or it might have been I was fishing through my record collection and I found this amazing album. I hadn't even heard it. I'd been given it and I'd just filed away. And now I can't believe my luck that I own this thing. It's 50 years old and it's blowing my mind. That's just such a fun thing to have that platform and that licence to be able to to chirp on about it.
2: Right. So people who are interested in coming to your session at the Two Writers Festival on um, September the 12th. No, yes. Yeah, 13th. 13th, yeah. Um, they're going to be um, keen to hear um, how what the degree of commitment really is. If you yeah, yeah. A blog is actually do some homework, find a niche, and work out what you've got to say and speak the truth. Would they be clear to say?
0: I think so, and, and and work out your, you know, and the other thing that I think's been really interesting is, you know, again, to, to, to come back to the poetry thing, a lot of people have told me in the last couple of years um, – oh, I didn't realise you wrote poetry I didn't realise you've pivoted to poetry. Um, That that term was used so much that I actually thought about calling my book The Pivot to Poetry. Um, But actually, like, I wrote my first poem when I was 12 or 13 and I wrote them right through high school and I wrote poetry for... Well, ten years, and then I probably gave it up for a little bit, and then I went back to it, and and I was writing it for a long time. Um, When I when I developed my site off the tracks, I looked through some of the poems I'd started writing again, and I thought, do I have the right to share these on the site? Would they be of interest to people? And I kind of thought, no, they wouldn't be. And then I decided, well, maybe I'll just share the ones that have got a reference to music because this is another style of music writing. And so that's how it started. And I put up a couple of poems and. To be fair, I got no real response, which is fine. I didn't feel embarrassed. I'd put them there. I just didn't know anything about it, whether it was going to be a thing or not. As I say, some things don't stick. I've carried on publishing and, I, and it's it's urged me to write a lot more poetry in the last few years and I might put a poem up every day or two um, and, and then I might go a week without doing one. But I started sharing the poems on Facebook and that got people interested. In and, I, and I have to say, I mean, that's the real reason I've got a book coming out is through sharing the poems on the blog and on Facebook. That that got the publishers interested in talking to me and saying, have you ever thought about doing a book? And I said, yeah, I thought about doing a book back when no one would publish me. And if I put it out, I'd be more mortified by it and embarrassed. I'm glad I never did it. And they said, what about now? And I was like, yeah, now I'm really into it. Are you joking? And that's how that conversation came around. So, and in fact, that happened with my first book, which was a book of uh, really a book of music journalism in 2012. I wrote a book called On Song, which is not not in print now, but it did pretty well. And it was uh, my take on 30 of my favourite New Zealand songs. And I, you know, it was journalism. I went and interviewed the writers and the performers, and I I got their stories, and I also shared some of my my connection to the song, my, the reason I had chosen that song and it was arranged in in no order, just a, just a thematic run. It wasn't ranked from best to last, um, or anything like that. or chronological. It was all over the place. Um, and that book came about from a guy following my Facebook page who worked for Penguin. And he said, and following the blog and saying, you pump all this stuff out about music. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, yeah, of course I've thought about writing a book about music. One day I want to write a book about Lou Reed. One day I want to, you know, write a book about Bob Dylan. I have all these thoughts. And he said, have you ever thought about doing this? And I said, not really, but are you asking me if I'd like to do it? And he's like, we would like you to write this book. You can you can totally buy in on it and have some shape, but we sort of thought this would be the list of songs to begin with. And I looked at it and I thought, I'm happy to write that kind of book, but I don't actually like some of those songs. So we then went back and forth about well, how much how much involvement can I have in it? How much ownership can I have over this project? And then it became basically my book that I was allowed to design and create in terms of the the run list of what I was going to include. Now that came about from blogging. So those are two pretty cool publishing successes. And obviously things like speaking on the radio have come about from Jesse Mulligan actually handpicked me for his show and said, the reason I chose you is because you're a fearless reviewer. You don't care if people are offended by what you think and you're interested in. And he, he told me to my face, I asked him after about a year about what, I know you handpicked me. I know you wrote to me, not one of your producers, and I really appreciate that. Why why did you want me? And he said, I liked your fearlessness. And that came about from him reading the blogs,
2: basically. Fearlessness. There has to be an element of that.
0: Yeah. there's an element of that in, in any creative pursuit of course and any you know in any creative work uh, you can be vulnerable but you have to have a fearlessness about and people love vulnerability and it's important and um, and I think maybe I'll get to show some of that by releasing this book of poems I think perhaps um, but uh, yeah you have to have a fearlessness in your in your desire to put yourself out there
2: yeah, yeah. and that's easier said than done let's face it sure in- Minutes we've got. Have you got oh. a, poem, a short poem that you would like to read, Handy? I should have warned you about this. Um,
0: I could. I can just tell you the one that's really short. That's going to be at the end of my book, which is because I don't really commit my poems to memory. I just I like to read them. Um, but the, the very final book in the poem is called Real Talk, and it's simply uh, no one ever built a statue in honor of a critic only because they knew it would never be good enough.
2: (laughs) What a great note to end on. (laughs) Simon Sweetman, what a gas of a time we've had. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. When do we get to do it again? Oh, wow. Ah. (laughs) What are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) I think we should do it just um, before your book is launched. I'll be in touch with... um, Mary McCullum at Cuba and I'll be saying, Can I review Simon please? Yeah, mm.
0: cool. Cool. And I'll
2: be feeling. <laughs> yeah, it. No, that, that,
0: that, that, that sounds cool. And um, no, you should do that. That'd be cool. It was and that was a that was a lot of fun. What?
2: Well, this well, is I hope, cool. it's, I hope it's usable. Oh, it will be. This is Rachel Duray saying bye-bye to Simon Sweetman, and bye for now. See you next week.